0: or listening to America's web radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's web radio. And while I am an attorney, the Buzz Off show is not legal advice. Instead, it's a weekly look at all the technology buzz surrounding drones, autonomous vehicles, The Internet of Things and all the gadgets and gizmos in between. Catch us each Wednesday on AmericasWebRadio.com from 2 to 3 in the afternoon. Or find Lawyer Liz Podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast streaming service. This week, up for grabs, we have an in-depth conversation on how to protect your companies and your information from social engineering with a conversation with Joe Gray of Advanced Persistent Security Podcast and the Enterprise Security Consultant with Sword and Shield Enterprise Security in Joe recently just won a Capture the Flag, basically a social engineering contest, so he'll give us some tips and insights and the lessons learned. Basically, find out how they do what they do. But before then, we'll have a little discussion on some of the busts and musts from the week that was and the week that will be. Up for grabs during this conversation will be Passenger Drones Take Flight, Alexa Ops In, DJI is Responding to the Army's Grounding of the Fleet, Uber Woes Continue, and some of the things we've learned from Equifax, Breach, and quite frankly, Yahoo put Equifax to shame. So, kicking off the latest round of bus, Yahoo, uh, the Yahoo breach. Well, they've revamped the numbers. Essentially, every Yahoo account has been compromised. So as comedians have joked, now everyone knows their passwords to their MySpace account. For those who don't remember MySpace, well good for you, the rest of us wish we could forget it as well. Equifax upped the numbers and their reach, adding another two and a half approximately two and a half million customers. So not a good good start for Equifax and in Recent congressional testimony, the former CEO says, well, it was Bob in IT and a failure to patch. Didn't name specifically the employee for which the blame is laid, but said someone forgot to or didn't deploy a patch and follow-up testing didn't get there either. So when you talk about patching and Missing, And some of us admittedly might overlook the reminders and alerts that sometimes it seems like are being constantly updated. Well, Equifax serves as a reminder to patch your stuff, but also Alexa has taken on a new way to make it easier to update all the different features as well as Echo. And what they ha- what Alexa has is the opt-in. The voice activated apps will, and other apps will have a notifications feature where the LED light either changes color or you can set it to where an audio cue lets you know when updates are available. One of the other features that will be rolled out is you know, no longer asking Alexa, what did I miss? Well, Alexa will then proceed to fill you in. Not all of the apps have the feature, but for example, the Washington Post app will be able to alert you, Alexa, what did I miss? And they'll be able to fill you in on the breaking news. Again, Alexa is quick to point, or they're quick to point out that these features are opt-in, similar to push notifications. So as we've talked about before, one, it's nice to have the ability to update and patch and get the latest versions of the software, especially when they're patching critical vulnerabilities. But whether you want to be interrupted in the middle of the night or, you know, keeping in mind, Alexa's always listening, that uh, when you ask, what did I miss? But her question is, Alexa, what did you miss? Well... One thing that has not been missed in all of the uh, comings and goings is the passenger drones that uh, different companies have been promising for months and years that they would have autonomous flight. Well, the latest aptly named passenger drone recently had its first flight. Testing began in May, with the first flight uh, video coming out from August, where the passenger drone can, it's a two-seater, can carry up to 270 pounds. But It's a vertical takeoff and landing vehicle that has 16 different rotors, travels, up to 45 miles per hour. And current flight time is about 25 minutes. Well, those are the numbers that were released. Watching it in action, I think I'm going to wait to at least version 2.0, if not further down the line. It was not as, it was a short little hop of a flight, but when cities and Commuters are looking for any kind of transportation and traffic solution, whether you can, in some cases, out in California, cut down by what would be a two hour commute down to 30 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. It it has, it has wings. It, It can fly. The idea can fly, but the comfort level and the ease, and safety features quite still being worked out. But in the meantime, as well, the autonomous, well, autonomous cars uh, are and woes continue for Uber in a recently released report that the 60-page report that came out that Uber had been fighting to keep internal, well, Waymoke in connection with Uber's development of their autonomous vehicle, or it turns out, well, they may have had a little help, and the executives who were running that program may have taken the information or documents from their prior employer. So, as the battles continue, Uber's woes mount, but... All is not lost because, well, quite frankly, they still keep on going. And Lyft has yet to really tackle or take a bite out of their market share just yet. Well, with talking about bites of market shares, DJI is having, well, a little bit of a hiccup in that back in, you'll recall, back in August, there was an Army memo that said, DJIs are grounded, that the Army cannot use off-the-shelf DJI drones in their operations. Well, in response to that, DJI had announced that it would activate or implement a privacy mode. They call it the local data mode. Details are coming out now. It's available on DJI's proprietary tablet system and on certain Android systems. But what it is not available on is iOS. Can't use it on your iPhone. Can't use it on your tablet. DJI Go uh, 4 app also doesn't have it. Well, what does that mean? (laughs) It means that most of the operators still don't have the ability to utilize this feature. What the feature does is it blocks all Internet data going back and forth between the aircraft while it's in motion What or while it's in operation. The fear with that was that DJI, being a Chinese-based, China-based company, that when all of your flight information and flight data is being sent back to the manufacturer and it's being streamed, it provides, one, an opportunity for the manufacturer to gain the information, but it also has an issue with whether others can also tap into that feed. So in the local data mode, it cuts off that feed. Downside to that is that when operating in that mode, it won't, your aircraft and your systems won't be able to detect location, whether there are no fly zones, whether you are relying on mapping features, or whether you're relying on notifications regarding area flight restrictions. In other words, if you don't know where you're flying, you could inadvertently go into restricted airspace where certain, um, Places are, or in some cases, the FAA had just recently announced that there are 10 different national monuments and other areas that have been added to the no-fly zone. So if you're operating near there, then the pilot themselves would have to have a good grasp on where they are. They couldn't rely... In the local data mode could not rely on an alert from their aircraft that it is approaching the geofencing wouldn't work. So if you're unaware, suddenly you're in restricted airspace inadvertently. And well, that could cause a whole nother set of problems, particularly again with the FAA's announcement that there are 10 new uh, monuments and other historical sites that are no-fly zones but also as the FAA continues to permit operations in restricted airspace such as class B airspace of airports that the operators of those flights would those drone flights would need to be aware and take additional precautions, not rely on those. Well, now that we have no fly zones, no driver zones, and all kinds of data breach and woes from all of your information getting stolen, we'll go come back after this commercial break and talk with Joe Gray to find out exactly what and how uh, some of that information is utilized and captured. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio.
0: Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on americaswebradio.com.
1: This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between.
2: It's buzz off with Lawyer Liz Wednesdays at 2. This is Dr. George from Peach Street ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you will be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed, and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered because Peachtree ENT Center... Is where patient care counts.
0: You're listening to America'sWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, and as promised, we have really. Let's just delve right into it. But a returning guest, Joe Gray. And Joe, you recently uh, just took one of the more entertaining and fun, uh, say hacker conference, but hacker family events at DerbyCon. You took it by storm and had the black badge to prove it, but really showed off your social engineering and other chops. So, welcome to the show. And care to share a little bit of why you are now uh, a social engineering ninja officially?
3: Uh thanks for having me. Uh thanks for having me back rather. Um so, yes, I did compete in the uh, social engineering capture the flag at DerbyCon this year. It was actually the inaugural event. Uh, so the event had been held at DEFCON since DEFCON 18, which was 2010, if I recall correctly. Uh, it was the first time running it at DerbyCon, and uh, with it, I was assigned a Fortune 500 company uh, located in Louisville, Kentucky. I did both the... Uh, open source intelligence phase and the phone call phase going into the phone call phase i was actually in second place by 27 points and then uh i ended up uh, winning
1: well and congratulations it uh for those who have never participated or seen one of these contests it's really pitting the best of the best against each other to say here's a target here's the information, and are there rules or parameters of here's what's off-limits, or is it
3: no holds barred? There are a lot of rules, and the rules actually make a lot of sense, uh, to be honest. So we're not allowed to do any sort of fishing any sort of active social engineering. I didn't ask the question, but the presumption is we couldn't go on site and try to dumpster dive anything along those lines. That may have been in the rules, but I didn't even go near my target. Um, We're not allowed to use any hacker tools, uh, such as like InMap. We could do uh, code analysis like on their websites and what have you, Uh, but with that, the thing I learned in attempting to do it was it was a time drain, and there's so much other stuff out there that really wasn't worth my time uh, i may have gotten one extra flag out of it for maybe four points but at the end of the day it was minor in nature um, so basically you're not allowed so I, i'm sorry um, so basically once you're assigned the target you're assigned the you get the flags list you're not allowed to have any contact with the company whatsoever you're only allowed to use passive intelligence gathering techniques
1: well, and, and, you, you just alluded to it a little bit. So you have a list of here's the information or here are the targets, the flags that certain ones have different point value, but all of it information that, or, you know, information, contacts, different things that you would as a consultant in your day to day job, certainly want to point out to them or that have value in real life can you give us an example or two of some of the flags you were
3: sure so i've actually got the flags list pulled up and i won't i won't get them all but i'll get some of the juicier ones so is it support handled in-house or is it outsourced uh who do you use for delivering packages do you have a cafeteria what's the name of your vpn um, do you use wireless? What wireless network are you on? What kind of antivirus are you using? Uh, who's your exterminator? Uh, who does your vending machines? Who does your dumpster? What operating system are you using? Which mail client are you using? How do you open PDFs? Um, What's your schedule? What day of the month do you get paid? Uh, What's the name of the phone system? How often have you had awareness training? And then the one flag that exists in the live portion when we're making the phone calls that does not exist in the other is if you can get the target to go to a specific URL, uh, that in itself is probably the largest point value possible. And then you also get uh, 10 points for up to 5, so a maximum of 50 points for realistic attack vectors and you get uh, up to 50 points for format, structure, grammar, layout, and the quality of the report. Uh, And then the other one that I forgot about that I had a lot of fun with was uh, who makes your badges? And uh, for my target, I just happened to find uh, someone who had posted a picture of their old badge and their new badge uh, on Facebook.
1: Well, and that's, a first of all, a very good reminder, just some of the things – We've all, no matter what company or job we've had, we have to sit through the security trainings where they say, okay, you know, do this, don't do that, how to identify a phishing, you know, but just a, a gentle reminder, so to speak, of what you should or shouldn't post on social media actually this was a
3: person's personal account i had enumerated a lot of people who worked there through facebook and linkedin and a few other sources and uh it was public uh on his facebook it wasn't even set to friends only uh in in the whole campaign i did not try to befriend anyone that worked at my target organization i relied only on things that were publicly available
1: Well, and that's something you had highlighted uh, in our last conversation really was be aware of what you've made publicly available on different things. So in this case, you said you were able to win. I mean, how, what, what was kind of the, the, Some total of how far into the organization the the
3: questions that I was allowed to ask because we have to submit our pretext basically our schemes we have to submit those in advance for approval. They can't be threatening. They cannot be vulgar. You cannot imitate law enforcement or FBI or anything like that. They have to be relatively safe, relatively PG, so to speak. And uh, I'll tell you straight up, my pretext was that uh, my name was such and such that I worked in IT security and we were getting ready for an external audit and I was validating that the information I had down was correct. And um, I had two people answer the phone. We only have 20 minutes to make the calls. So the hardest part is usually getting someone to answer. So uh, the first person that answered the phone, I spent a couple of moments uh, building rapport with her. Uh, You know, happy Friday. I can't wait to get out of here. Uh, What time do you get off? Oh, 4.30. Oh, so you come in at 7.30. Yes, Uh, I I get off at 5. I can't wait to go home and drink some craft beer. Uh, And that's something that I had learned. A lot of people who worked at that Target loved craft beer. And had she not liked craft beer, then I would have shifted to bourbon. And if that hadn't have worked, then I had found a local winery that I was going to uh, profess to love.
1: So it, it is it is shocking, shocking that folks in Kentucky have a proclivity towards bourbon. Ugh. I mean, that that must have spent, you must have spent hours Actually, analyzing uh, to come up with didn't
3: that one. spend a whole lot of time on that one. Uh, being from Tennessee, I was like, why do these people like bourbon and not Jack? But nonetheless, uh, with it, I, I had actually done a little bit of research. And in in the binder that I took into the soundproof booth with me, I actually had uh, a list of some of the high-end bourbons, uh, aside from, say, Jim Beam and Maker's Mark, uh, on a sheet of paper so that I didn't have to try to remember it. Uh, so if I needed to mention them, I could. And same thing with the craft beer. But with that one, I was just going to mention Kentucky uh, Bourbon Barrel Ale.
1: Ah, there There you go. go. So you have this plan of attack that you've envisioned you're going to build this rapport and then get into the heart of some of these questions was there anything that threw you for a loop that you saw that you were Honestly, not expecting, either good or bad? Honestly, I didn't expect anything. as far as bad. I did on the
3: first call, and the lady just gave me all the information. Because I got almost every single flag out of her. There was about six flags, very low point flags, that I didn't get out of her. And then my second call, I got through. I called shipping. They put me over to someone. He didn't identify himself as working in IT. But then he admitted after I put words in his mouth, which is a technique we use to get them to say yes or no as to what we're using. Um, so basically, and, and this right here is not damaging to anyone, I basically put words in his mouth and said something about Microsoft Office 365. Ironically, I was actually spoofing an internal Microsoft Office 365 email migrations issue phone number uh that i called from so uh, i put words in his mouth about office 365 and then he admitted that he worked in it and i immediately was like oh no i'm about to get busted so then i just started i stuck to the script i asked a few questions like are you using a laptop or a desktop and then he goes off and rattles off the entire model number i asked him the operating system he gives me the operating system and service pack uh, i asked him if he has uh, anything besides internet explorer installed and he Tells me all about that. And then I put words in his mouth again about BitLocker. Uh, I'm like, do you have BitLocker installed? And, you know, with Windows, it's already installed. It's just whether it's enabled. And he's like, well, of course it's it's installed. It's a Microsoft system. But um, you should know this. We're using a different product. And he listed the product. And uh, he was like, we use that for encryption and uh, malware protection. So at that point, I felt really relieved. And he didn't catch on to me until I asked him to go to the website. And then he asked for my uh, single sign-on ID. Um, And he said ID instead of number, if I recall correctly. So I rattle off a bunch of letters I throw or a bunch of numbers. I throw the letter A in the middle of it just to be safe. Um, He calls me out because it's supposed to be nothing but numbers. So I apologize for not having my glasses on and correct myself and say it's a four. Um, But then... He, uh, put me on hold to investigate to see if I was a real employee and at that time the clock hit 20. So I, uh, gave, uh, uh-huh.
1: absolutely, I, mean, I gave Chris the, hand uh,
3: signal to uh, terminate the call.
1: Oh, that is, that is just under the wire. Well, now, so were there times that you thought one approach would work either through the information you were seeking to gather? Oop. No, it turns out they actually didn't do this or didn't do that or were there were there any moments of hope
3: for not in the, the future first call of in the second call by clean. the time i had already went down the list and got a lot of the flags from him not quite the same number because i, I kind of felt that he was a little bit more skeptical so i wasn't going to run the full gauntlet on him um and he's more down to business so i didn't really want to try to make chatter with him about craft beer or whatever so um with him, um, he kind of when I asked him to go to the website, he caught on and he took the right steps of validating that I was who I said I was. But he had already given up a lot of information that I could have definitely used against them.
1: Well, that's one of the well on the plus side. He could it could have been worse. But on the downside, again, at some point you've already let the cat out of the bag. So, uh, fascinating. Now, what's the next challenge that you're going well, to undertake course, now that you had your... Well, individual?
3: I don't even have my black badge yet because the ones that you actually being custom made, uh, it's going to be engraved with my name, and it's going to have 196 hand-soldered LEDs in it, and it's... Uh, um, encased in wood so um with that as we were discussing before we went on the air i'm probably actually going to keep it despite the whole auction black badges for charity but in lieu of that i'm going to make an annual donation to hackers for charity instead of uh auctioning the badge itself off um well
1: that is well, on behalf of, you know, all that, of the community, community thank you for doing all that. We're going to jump to our commercial break and when we get back, delve a little bit more into some of the information and kind of next steps. But you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio.
2: Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected.
4: Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, and talking today with Joe Gray, who's with Sword and Shield Enterprise Security. And Joe has recently put his skills and expertise to I'd say good use but fun use for a non-client engagement and really captured the flag in social engineering at DerbyCon just a couple weeks ago and we're talking with Joe today to really gather some information or some tips and tidbits, lessons learned that apply outside of a capture the flag setting for us average users or researchers what can you what should you incorporate into what you're doing and so uh joe uh, we were talking before the break you're walking us through your thought process on some of the things you uh tools and techniques you were using at a very basic level, but tell us a little bit more about some of the information you were gathering, the flags, so to speak, that you were capturing and how this can apply to uh, what value does this information have in the real world?
3: So, again, I'll go slightly down the list. So to start out with IT support being handled in-house or outsourced. If it's outsourced, then that gives me someone whose phone number I can spoof to call. Something I can say, hey, uh, this is Amazon. I hear you're having trouble with your AWS or there's a problem with your billing for AWS. And call from a legitimate number from Amazon or spoof an email from Amazon into that appropriate party. Um, With food service, I can always look like I'm delivering food or I'm going to work to get through the gate. Uh, The VPN, I can look for vulnerabilities for the VPN. Um, Wireless, of course. Uh, There are websites out there that already tell you which wireless exists, but uh, in this day and age, uh, that website for this organization was rather useless because of the size of the organization, and I could tell that when they did the scan, a lot of people were running personal hotspots which in itself is... A vulnerability. It makes for a really good opportunity to deploy uh, something like a Wi-Fi pineapple there. Uh, knowing the correct uh, wireless network name, the SSID, then I can tune uh, a pineapple uh, to actually go for that wireless network. Um, antivirus. Some malware uh, can make it around certain antivirus. So if I were going to try to use a phishing uh, tactic to get in and use malware for uh, a backdoor... I need to know what kind of antivirus they're using, so that whatever I'm using can get past that antivirus. Um, with
1: well, and when y'all, when you're deploying uh, or when you're going and doing uh, kind of client engagements with Sword and Shield, are these typically things that? Uh, how do y'all approach or broach these subjects? You know, on the antivirus, on hey here's why you have to keep this information it to yourself you not let it get outside of the organization as much as possible
3: well typically because i'm not a pen tester i don't follow through with the entire attack sequence um (laughs) i uh
1: you get to point out the flaws you don't always have to give them (laughs) solutions
3: I always like to give solutions. Um, that's how I actually demonstrate um, value to customers, regardless of what type of engagement it is. But with the pen tests, uh, usually when I get pulled into that kind of stuff for work, uh, I'm exclusively doing a pre-texting engagement or exclusively doing a phish. Um There's only been one instance that I've actually got to deploy some nastiness, so to speak, uh, in the regard of some sort of file. So typically... Whenever I've done it as part of an engagement, I just typically do solely the fish, and it's a very defined parameter in terms of this is what we're trying to collect. Here's the ruse we're going to use. Here's where I'm going to send it, This is the information I'm asking for. Here's how I'm going to collect it, and here's how I'm going to destroy it. When I'm doing the pretexting phone calls, it's very much the same. Sometimes we might run that in concert with a fish. Sometimes we don't. Uh, sometimes we're given the uh, target list. Sometimes we're not. So with that, uh, we'll propose who we want to call. Sometimes they'll let us call the C-levels. Sometimes they won't. I always like to call the C-levels personally, but that's that's a certain element of psychology I'll get to in a moment. But uh, with that, with the phone call, it's typically, can we get any sort of information out of them? Can we get them to go to a website? What can we get them to do? And it's always defined uh, and agreed upon by the customer. and in my experience with C-levels, typically if you can get through uh, their assistant to the C-level, uh, they're typically a little bit more gullible because they believe that there's some sort of vetting that occurs with the assistant, so they're more apt to do what you want them to do. And something I've noticed with a few organizations, C-levels actually have local administrator access. So while I would not personally exploit that, uh, that's something that I can pass along, put in the report and state from a theoretical uh, perspective, This C-level click the link if they have local administrator access then anything they deployed could have uh, allowed something like Mimikatz uh, to be able to harvest credentials and then subsequently gain domain administrator access and start to pivot and start really doing the dirty stuff
1: well and building on that it's how do you strike that balance as an organization where nobody wants to tell the boss you at know, the C level that well you write my sign my paycheck but I should have more access to critical systems or information you know, I should have a higher security clearance than you that for your job, while yes, you need to know about certain things, you don't need to have access to. I mean, that's that's not always the easiest conversation to have, but it sounds like you've really hit the nail on the head and highlighted. Yeah, this is what happens when everybody has a certain level of access.
3: Absolutely, and there there are technical things that could be done, uh, like segregating and not using. Um, a domain account, a domain admin account anywhere else. So you could have a domain administrator account that you only use with the C-levels. Uh, you could have a separate domain for the C-levels. There's a lot of different ways you could go uh, with it. But realistically, I think every bit of this, uh, to spoil the fun uh, for a little later, A lot of this is mitigated through training. Yes, there are technical solutions like Ironport, digital scales, Proofpoint. There are things out there that you could, technical things you could do. But at the end of the day, if you have an aware user that's skeptical, if you're running routine engagements against them, they're always going to be on their toes because they don't want to be the one that gets caught. And in doing so, like the example I was referring to with dealing with the sea level, when we made that phone call to him if he would have just said hey you know what i would love to help if you can if i can call you back in 5 minutes i have to step out to a quick meeting if i can call you back in 5 10 15 minutes whatever uh and resume this conversation uh, i would appreciate it if he would have called the number we spoofed back that person wouldn't have had a clue what he was talking about and the compromise would not have happened so it's,
1: well and so how how do you build on that then? Well, you from the education standpoint,
3: you you train your users to be skeptical of what people are asking them to do. So, I don't want to breed a certain level of mistrust because we need people to trust us. Information security needs people to trust them. So, whenever it comes to open source intelligence, I don't recommend that a company runs open source intelligence against the employees I recommend that they contract someone like uh, other companies or sword and shield to do so so that we are the bad guy we're the ones that's snooping on the employees and then that way we're not really divulging a whole lot about their personal life to the company we're divulging things that can be used in an attack that they can say hey this was part of an audit you might want to fix this with a social engineering perspective there are a lot of automated solutions out there there's a lot of training out there and um, I mean, you can get computer-based training. You can pay for instructor-led training. Uh, I know there are lots of providers out there. Um, Sword and Shield being one of them, of course. I'm not really trying to push Sword and Shield uh, within the conversation. I'm trying to push awareness, but uh, I I would—I kind of need to mention that as well. Uh, but uh, in that same sense, training them. Hey, you know, we ran a, an initial unannounced engagement. Here are the statistics on it. Uh, based on this, here are the deficiencies. We're going to train everyone up on this baseline training. And then we're going to do periodic testing at infrequent intervals. And by infrequent, I basically kind of mean quarterly, but you never admit quarterly. You say something like infrequent. So they don't know. And then what's going to happen is when they start getting phishing emails or suspicious phone calls, they're going to think it's the company doing it. And they're going to shut them down because they don't want to get embarrassed. But if they do fall for it, part of the training should include exactly who to report to, how to report, and what actions to take with the computer. Do you want it to be unplugged from the wall, from the network, do nothing, lock it, shut it down, log off, what? Define this. And there's no right or wrong answer. It's up to you and your organization. So you find out that answer, and you train your users what to do. And then you train them to report, and don't be punitive about it because you want them to report.
1: Well, and that how how does that conversation come about? Is reminding the organization that if you penalize for this, then nobody's going to report that. How do you strike that that balance? They well, we really
3: just have to talk about the human psychology aspect of this, because really this falls under applied psychology, social psychology, human computer interaction, and just straight fraud, really. And with that, you just have to explain to an organization that, you know, for example, ransomware is coming in -in hand-in-hand with phishing attacks right now. I have an email-based honeypot that gets at least two emails a day, and I would say at least 60% of the time, uh, the attachment contains some form of ransomware. So with that, explain to the company, hey, you want these people to report this because you have seconds After a ransomware starts to initialize, because it's going to start, it's going to execute, it's going to do whatever it needs to do. It's going to start encrypting, and then it's going to pivot. So if a user clicks something and sees something out of the ordinary, if you have them unplug it from the network, it cannot infect other systems.
1: Well, and how do you also then translate that what seemingly could be innocuous information that perhaps it's fishing perhaps it's not but how do you convey the value and the gravitas in that information to employees as part of the training i like to try
3: try to make it to where it's relevant for their home life because especially people with children, if you teach them how to protect their children, they're going to take that home, they're going to let it sink in, and they're going to bring it back to work. But the reality is, I like gamification. So if you set up, say, a phishing at your domain email account, have people send fish to it and run contests. Hey, whoever sends me the most clever fish of the month or every time you send me a fish you get entered for a drawing you know don't gamify it too much i mean wells fargo was a good example of don't gamify things too much but if you have some sort of incentive or something they're competing for people will rat out their own siblings parents and children to try to win a contest
1: oh i'll just do it just for fun but, uh, no, you raise an interesting point in bringing up the Wells Fargo example. We'll pick all of this back up right after this commercial break. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio.
0: 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport.
4: Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not... or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
0: You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
4: Welcome back to
1: Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Find us each Wednesday from 2 to 3 in the afternoon Eastern on AmericasWebRadio.com or Download a copy of the podcast version, Lawyer Liz, on iTunes or your favorite podcast streaming service. And talking today with Joe Gray from Sword and Shield Enterprise Security on some of the lessons learned and information, gain, knowledge gained, uh, dealing with uh, the social engineering aspect, but from a gaming perspective, from a capture the flag where Joe is just victorious in a competition among some of the best and brightest. And uh, Joe, you were talking before this break about Some of the lessons learned, both what happens when you make certain aspects of this too much fun.
3: Absolutely. So uh, I mentioned Wells Fargo, which uh, if you may recall about a year to a year and a half ago, it came out that a lot of people had fake accounts in their name uh, with Wells Fargo. They were existing customers. And what what it boiled down to is they had gamified it, and they were basing performance evals and raises bonuses etc through the number of accounts that they could upsell so some unethical employees um, through endorsement through some of their managers even if I recall correctly were creating accounts in people who were legit customers names and these people weren't finding out until they were getting billed for uh, their maintenance fees or whatever. And that's just an example of how it will backfire on you. You know, don't don't say if you report the most fish in a month, then you're going to get a free cup of coffee or the boss is going to take you out to lunch. Because what will happen is someone will inevitably find a way to get on a fishing mailing list and get hundreds of them per day. Um, But at the same time, you want to make it a healthy competition. Something as simple as a parking spot, a free cup of coffee, an Amazon gift card, taking someone out to lunch, a t-shirt. Hey, in information security, we know how everybody loves those challenge coins. Uh, You can use those as well. Something to differentiate uh, so that someone gets recognition for doing the right thing. Uh, That's, in my opinion uh, and my experience, one of the most effective ways to maintain a program and uh, keep people engaged in addition to that certain level of fear, which I don't like perpetrating the fear, but uh, a certain amount of fear is healthy at times.
1: So uh, almost a combination of a secret shopper uh, plus you know, that little bit of incentive of, hey, if you get reported for doing something great, you'll be rewarded, but not necessarily punished. Per se, if you do something wrong, rather, what exactly. is Exactly, but
3: then again, you know, you always have to factor in that uh, there is a certain point where when it does become such a risk that you just can't mitigate it anymore and the only way around it is to uh, terminate the user's access and that might mean terminate the user's employment. Uh, it may mean redirect them or take away email access or internet access or something. Um There are various ways to do it. And, like, for example, Christopher Hadnagy, I would say he's probably the godfather of of modern social engineering. When his company, Social Engineer, does uh, a social engineering engagement with a target uh, or a client in that scope, uh, basically one of the documents that he has his customers sign is one stating that, hey, we're basically professional con artists. Uh, You're not allowed to fire anybody based on what we do to them.
1: Well, and so what are some of the, we've highlighted some of the other information, but perhaps is there one of the attacks that you used that really can hammer home the point of be careful what you put out there. It's not not where you think.
3: Absolutely. So it all started with PR and HR. Uh, PR obviously is expected to be transparent on the internet at all times it's public relations that's what they do but a lot of their documentation i was able to find media contacts such and such with a phone number and i noticed the syntax was consistently the same and i looked through a few of the pdfs that i had found looking through their metadata Uh, i was trying to find what they used to open pdfs for that flag but then i noticed that uh, when opening the PDFs myself, I, that there was a specific syntax of their phone number. And basically, it was just the area code was in uh, parentheses, which is common with a space, then the prefix hyphen, and it went from there. I could tell that everyone had a direct dial number from this. So what I did uh, is I went to Google, and I searched for company name plus that phone number syntax. I knew the area code and the first three that they were using. So basically, I did that. I searched across, and I found all sorts of things, one of which I consider to be a gold mine, and that was a former employee had sent emails to a mailing list getting help troubleshooting their backup system, uh, I believe about two years ago. And he had not sanitized his signature block as he was emailing this list so it had his name his company email and his phone number so basically from there i was able to determine a few technologies that were used and then i was able to pivot from there use his information and find that he had a github account and then on the github account i found that they were using red hat they were using max uh They were using Nagios for availability monitoring. They were using certain things in AWS. They had migrated from one DNS provider to another. I found all these things just because someone recklessly sent something to a mailing list that became public, and I found his GitHub subsequently. Um, And this was actually contrary to a lot of the things that I had been doing with uh, open source intelligence in the past because I would primarily been targeting people, so I'd been using tools like Recon NG and Datasploit, and and they're both still excellent tools. I I still used both of them very heavily in the intelligence gathering phase, but finding that one break in Google opened up so much, and then from there... um, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: I don't know what I was going to say, because you were able to use that. But even at a baser level, you mentioned HR. I mean, HR, if you're finding things, that doesn't necessarily even require a tool to discover. It's if you're finding, I mean, LinkedIn or other profiles where people are, bragging about what they're doing. Absolutely,
3: and with HR, what I found with that was onboarding contacts, which confirmed the phone number syntax. But then in a real-life scenario, having HR's contacts, it's not unusual for HR to receive a document and need to open it. So you could send them a macro-enabled Word document. You could send them um, an executable disguised as a Word document and get them to open it because it's part of their normal job. And that's something that, as a security professional, we really need to look into finding ways that we can actually um, mitigate that and find a way that they can still receive their documents, but it's in a secure manner. Um, So that's just something to keep in mind. And, you know, going back to PR for a moment, uh, I will say that the PR team at this organization, their social media accounts were plain and boring. There was nothing on there except for one thing. They never posted anything about the company, but they followed every C-level and most of the senior vice presidents of the company. So that allowed a pivot point.
1: And so when you say pivot point, really, what it, oh, what is the value this, in that?
2: Or this
3: a template information so? that while that user account, like this PR manager, for example, her account was boring. I didn't want to look at pictures of corgis all day. They didn't have badges. They weren't talking about VPNs. Are you sure? despite being a university of tennessee fan and this being the weekend after we played georgia in terms of dogs i like bulldogs and newfoundlands that's what i have um but with that being said um you know it's all cool but i only had three weeks so i needed to move on so basically it fell under the the context of this is not a good target but this person's telling me who is a better target. And then when I was able to move to those other employees, pivoting, so moving from one to another, I was able to find out more useful bits of information. Like there was a vice president that had flown to Amsterdam. Uh, he was flying to Europe, and he had a meeting in Amsterdam, but because his flight was delayed in Newark, he uh, missed it. And he just happened to tweet to United Airlines complaining about it and saying, hey, I missed my meeting in Amsterdam because I was delayed going out of Newark
1: and so what what are some of the kind of take-home messages or uh, really in a nutshell this particular contest or you know not to give away uh sword and shields uh, you know bread and butter but what are some what's a what's a good nugget to do with that and then to where can folks find more of your
3: research so in terms of mitigation with that one um just do periodic checks for things like your company name there are services out there like digital shadows they've monitors the dark web for you i didn't even touch the dark web i don't i don't want to know what i could have found about this target on the dark web uh but with that Look at services like that. Do periodic checks. If you want to run open source intelligence against employees, I don't recommend the company doing it themselves just because you don't want to betray that trust. Get someone else to do it and give you the pertinent information. Uh, With that, uh, run the routine social engineering tests and educate your employees about what not to put on LinkedIn and resumes. I found out what kind of badge reader and badges they used, what kind of VoIP system they used, and who their security guard was just by browsing resumes on Indeed. Uh, and then I found a few things about what encryption they used on LinkedIn. So it's definitely things to keep in mind. Train your employees on how to be vague. Uh, and the same goes for job descriptions. If you're looking for a Red Hat administrator, mention other types of Linux. Maybe even throw Windows in there. So just make it vague. Don't give away the keys to the kingdom. Um, if you want to know more about myself and my research, uh, I have my blog, and I promise my podcast is coming back. It's at advancedpersistentsecurity.net. Um, I'm on Twitter at C underscore 3P Joe I've got a lot of speaking engagements Coming up in 2017 I'm keynoting Hacker Halted in Atlanta uh, On day 2 which would be uh, October 10th Uh, The event is October 9th and 10th Uh, If you use uh, Coupon code HHJG As in Hacker Halted Joe Gray 2017 You can get in for free Uh, The next week I'm speaking at Edge Security Conference In Knoxville That one's going to be on Threat Intelligence LastCon, uh, Lone Star Application Security Conference in Austin, Texas, uh, Social Engineering, um, a similar talk at SkydogCon in Nashville, all of which in the month of October. Skydog is October 20th to the 22nd. LastCon is um, October 26th and 27th. I'm giving a four-hour open source intelligence and social engineering workshop at B-Sides Charleston on November 11th from 1 to 4. And I'll be speaking at ISSA Atlanta. Uh, on November 15th on the topic of defending against ransomware.
1: Well, and so when are you going to have time to
3: play with Um, your dogs? Fortunately, my dogs,
1: they're eight years old. They're kind
3: of lazy. Uh, I take them out. um, We do some running every now and then. Not very far because bulldogs don't run far. Um, But the biggest thing is I keep hearing about this thing called sleep and a personal life. And I'm just not... (laughs) I've not found either of them because I've got a lot of writing I need to do for things, and uh, I'm already submitting for speaking engagements in 2018. Uh, Plus, I'm working, and uh, I maintain my uh, network of honeypots, which would be a discussion for another day.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Looking forward to catching your presentations, particularly uh, when you've got a couple coming up on brand protection and others. But thank you. Thanks to Joe for joining us. And thanks to America's Web Radio. And with apologies to Rob Graham, we know he had a great political and entertainment report. But We just ran out of time. Catch us next time on Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.